In the movie entitled Bedazzled, there is a character who plays the devil, Elizabeth Hurley. She offers one of the main characters seven wishes of uh, however he sees fit, whatever they would be. The only stipulation is, is that he must give his soul to the devil. As we break into the dialogue, he responds, I, I can't give my soul to the devil. The devil responds, what are you, James Brown, she asks. What's the big deal? Have you ever seen your soul? Do you even know what it is? Uh, of course, it's that thing that um, it, it follows you around. To which the devil cunningly replies, can I tell you something? Souls are overrated. Souls are overrated. They don't do anything. Has yours done anything for you lately? It's like your appendix. You don't even miss it. And then pausing for a moment, Brendan Fraser responds, Hey, if it's so useless, how come you want it so much? To which the devil replies, Aren't you the clever one? There's a battle going on for your soul. And your soul is extremely valuable to God. The Bible says that when any time a soul is saved, it says all of the angels in heaven rejoice. I mean, just think about that. The day that your soul was saved, all of the angels in heaven rejoiced. Your soul is, is so valuable that God came and died for your soul. And so you can never say that your soul is not important to God. In fact, your soul is the most important thing about you. Really, everything else in your life, your physical body, you can lose limbs, you can lose everything. In fact, you can lose your life. Jesus said, don't fear those who will take your life. He said, fear those who can destroy your soul. And so our souls are, are so important. And you know, every, every once you've heard this, that in history there's hardly ever been a time when, there wasn't, when we were at peace, when there wasn't a battle going on, a war somewhere. Well, there's a battle that's been going on since day one for your soul and for my soul. We live in a culture that runs at a frantic pace. I mean, just, just imagine a culture with no cars, no electricity, no TVs, no cell phones, no computers, none of that. Did you know that for most of the centuries, for most of the history of, of the world that people lived, the vast majority that people lived without any of that? And so all, of, all that we have gives us the opportunity to drive us crazy, doesn't it? I mean, to run ourselves crazy. I mean, we can go so fast. You, you can pull out that little thing in your pocket. You can find information about just about anything in a matter of seconds. And so here we are in this culture, and it's going so fast. And in cultures like that, what happens is we begin, we're, we're so connected with the externals, we start to lose touch with our souls. And our souls can, can be dying inside. And, and we're like mice, you know. With mice, the more frantic they get, the faster they go. 
And so we just keep filling our lives. The emptier our souls get, the more we keep filling our lives with, with, with everything around us. And so we become driven and we become angry and we become uh, depressed and we, come, we, we become anxious. And so we see that this battle is going on for our souls. The Bible says the world, the flesh, and the devil, all of them are seeking your soul. The world, systems of the world, your flesh, and the devil. And one of the biggest, one of the biggest battles that we fight is this battle with our own flesh. In fact, in some ways, it, it may be larger than the other ones. I'm just going to interject here. Last week, we watched a part of a clip from John Piper entitled Make War. I'd like to see the last half of that at this point. <clears throat> it's a violence against all lust in ourselves. All enslaving desires for food, caffeine, sugar, chocolate, alcohol, pornography, money, the praise of man, approval of others, power, fame, this is our enemy. This is where we make war. It is a violence against all racism in our souls. All sluggish indifference to injustice in our souls. A violence against all indifference to poverty and indifference to abortion in our souls. Did you know that in the warfare of Romans, Satan doesn't show up until chapter 16. We tend to think of spiritual warfare as this, this little thing where you find some way to pray or some way to lay hands on or some way to do a, a Satan thing. Well, that's important. Believe me, that's important. We war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and world rulers of this present darkness and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's important. But you know what? It's not nearly as important as this. Because the only foothold Satan has in your life is your flesh and your sin. Nobody goes to hell because of Satan. The only reason we go to hell is sin. Much more important than fighting Satan is fighting sin. This warfare in verse 13 is vastly more important than figuring Satan out. Get that. My biggest enemy is not Satan. My biggest enemy is John Piper. And he's the only reason I'll go to hell. Not Satan. Satan, you don't have nearly that kind of power. And therefore, I really care about us learning how to do this battle. Christianity is not a settle in, live at peace with the world the way it is religion. Like most Christians live their daily lives. Verse 13. If by the Spirit you kill... There's a mean streak in Christianity, and it's not against anybody else but ourselves. In fact, it's against the meanness of ourselves against other people. If you feel like you're a mean person against others, a harsh person, a critical person, you know your problem? 
You haven't learned to make war. You haven't learned to be mean. You haven't learned to get violent. Against your violence. Against your meanness. Against your critical spirit. And you complain of it. And talk about it. But have you made war 24-7 against it? Okay, that's the battle we have been talking about. The battle of mortification of our flesh. We, we experience it every day. Sin does not take a day off. No one here is a spectator. You don't get to sit in the stands. We are all in this battle, like it or not. I'm in it. You're in it. And so God wants us to win this battle. He wants us to experience victories in this area of our life. And so I promised this morning I would, I would move on to the next step of, instead of just making us aware that it's here and identifying it, so how do we fight that battle? I want to talk about that this morning with you. Two passages we're going to read. We'll refer to them as I go through some things here that are critical if we are going to experience victory in this battle. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. Listen to what he says. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we are to fight this battle with weapons, but they are not the weapons of this world. They are weapons that God gives us that have power to demolish. These are effective weapons. These are weapons that work. We just flip over one book to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. So I say... Chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Okay, we'll come back and I'm going to reference those passages as we go through this this morning. Here's the first thing in fighting the battle. This is where it starts. The first thing we need is awareness. And I know I've been talking about that the last two Sundays. You know, you know my job as a pastor is to, is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Okay? So if, you, if you're kind of living out your Christian life and it's really not a battle and it's just, it's, life is very comfortable, I'm here to afflict you, okay? You have to remember that one of the goals of the flesh is comfort. Not, not building the kingdom of God, not building the church. We have this thing in us that would like to be comfortable. And so the fact that we're comfortable and everything's going very well you know, we're thankful for that, but sometimes that's not always a good sign. If we don't sense that we're in this battle, 
awareness is very important. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. We read these words. He says, In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. That's an interesting word. Schemes. Look at what he, Paul writes in Ephesians 6.11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Okay? So, the devil, Satan, has his schemes. This is his plan of attack in your, in your life. This is something that comes from Satan. It comes from the, the systems of the world that he has designed. You know, the God of this age is behind much of what goes on in our culture. All you have to do is turn your television on, on a number of uh, <clears throat> probably time slots any night of the week, and you will see part of Satan's system as we have millions of Americans, and sometimes we fall in the trap, entertaining ourselves with sexual immorality, uh, violence. I mean, we, we sit around and entertain ourselves with that. Think about that. And so that's part of the, that's part of the systems. That's part of the culture. That's part of what Satan does. And so he knows our weaknesses. He knows where we are vulnerable. I think he specifically knows where you're vulnerable. You know, Satan cannot be in more than one place at one time. And sometimes we say, you know, we'll use the phrase, we say, well, I feel like Satan's. Well, <clears throat> don't ever think that Satan is like God. You know, chances are Satan's not here today. But the Bible says he has minions and, and, and that there are, we don't know, probably millions of uh, demonic beings around and, and we have seen and every, every so often we will, we will get an a <clears throat> understanding that they're present because they're manifested in some way. But that's a very big part of the battle that you and I face. And so we need to be aware of where we are vulnerable. I grew up in the sports world. Uh, the Badgers. Did you like the Badgers last night? <clears throat> Any of you watched them? Okay, let me tell you something. Those coaches didn't show up and say, well, when we get there, we'll take a look at Oregon and see what they're like. They had watched films. They had studied those players. They knew their strengths. They knew their weaknesses. And Oregon had studied the Badgers, and they sat down, and they had a game plan. They said, you know, this person's weak here. They, they dribble with their right hand more than their left, or they like to go left. They find out all the tendencies, and then they develop a game plan to try and take advantage of the weaknesses of the team they're playing. I mean, I, I grew up in that. We spent hours and hours and hours watching opposing teams to try and find out where they're weak. Don't think that your enemy doesn't do that with your life. And so you are scouted. And we need to be aware of where we're vulnerable. We need to be aware of where, where Satan is, is kind of snuck in or where he's getting to us because that is what he will seek to do. We need awareness of our flesh. Our flesh always acts on emotional impulse. It always seeks our comfort zone. It, it, it often gives in to self-pity and discouragement. That's all part of our flesh. 
understand when that's going on what's going on. You know, we'll live in our flesh for weeks and months and years at a time and never identify or become aware of the fact of what's going on. We don't realize that God has something way better for us. You can live your whole life feeling sorry for yourself and not realize that's a ploy of the enemy. There's no reason for you to feel sorry for yourself. There's no reason for me to feel sorry for myself. And so, if we're going to fight the battle, we need to become aware. We need to be willing to recognize the strongholds in our lives. 2 Corinthians 10.4 Strongholds. <clears throat> the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, what are strongholds? They're they're areas of your life where you have repeatedly and habitually lived outside of God's design, habitually lived in some pattern of sin in your life. And you've done it so long that it's become a habit, and it's become very ingrained. Okay, it might be, often it's a way of thinking. You know, before Christ came into your life, you thought about everything differently, and, and rightly so. And so we have all these ways of thinking and ways of acting and habits in our lives. And, and when the Lord comes in, he, you know, he defeats a lot of sin. But we have these pockets of strongholds in our lives that are still there. You, can be, you, you may have been a Christian for 30 years and still have a stronghold in your life that's never been demolished. And so are, are we aware of what those strongholds are? Very important if we're going to fight the battle. Important, as I challenged us a few weeks ago, to be praying this prayer from Psalm 139. Search me. God, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Some of you have experienced that over the last month. I've had several people come to me and say, you know what? God has just been convicting me. I've been praying this prayer, God, search me. And, you know, God will always respond to that. He, he's, not, he's not wanting to keep you ignorant or in the dark. So you earnestly pray that and God will show you areas where the enemy has a hold on your life that he wants you to experience this victory. And so, once we become aware, then the battle's on. And now we need to use the weapons, and we need to use effective weapons. Yeah, I watched those pictures in Ukraine of those, of those citizens there with those, holding up those little shields, and, and I don't know, they probably had pistols in their back pockets. But you know what? They're taking on snipers that can put a bullet in their head from half a mile away. I mean, it, it was pathetic. It was sad. But sometimes as Christians, we try and attack these things in our lives, and, and that's what we look like, because we're not using effective weapons. And so the Lord is providing effective weapons. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 and 4, I read it before. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Okay, so we need to use the right weapons. 
you know, we have a lot of weapons in our, a lot of ways we try and deal with stuff. Uh, I was reading an article, and there's a, there's a bit of truth and helpfulness in each of these, but they, no, none of them really work. Uh, they listed, there was, number one was the weight loss model. This is where Jesus is like your trainer at the gym. And, and you go in and he tells you where, where you need to lose some pounds or where you need to firm up and, and get strength. And then he puts you on a, a program. Uh, there's the model of the success model, which, which is, you know what? If you will do this, then, then you will be successful. And, and everything in life is geared around that, that issue of being successful. There's the, uh, the Boy Scout model, where you do the right things and you'll receive rewards, and you'll keep moving up the ladder, and then one day you can, you can be an Eagle Scout. Another method is the repentance model. That's where we just tell people, you know what? If you don't shape up, you're going to go to hell. So we, you know, that, that's another model that some of you grew up with, and it, it may affect some external things in your life, but it has no power to deal with the real sins of the heart. And so there are lots of ways that the world can offer to fight these battles, but we need to use God's arsenal. And so I want to give you three of them. These remaining minutes here, I'm going to mention three things that God has given to each one of us. Here's the first one. Galatians 5.16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. It's one of the most powerful, important verses in all the Bible in terms of how you need to fight the battle. So here's how you fight the battle with your sinful nature. You live by the Spirit. If the focus in your life is not to be living by the Spirit, then whatever you're doing is not going to work. If you don't start here, it will not work. You know why? Because if you don't start with the Spirit, there's only two things. There's the Spirit and the flesh. You're either going to try and overcome sin in your life with the flesh or with the Spirit. It doesn't work with the flesh. You know why? Because the flesh is on the flesh's team. So if you send someone from the flesh over to the other team, guess what? It's not going to be very long before they're going to betray. They're going to betray you. That, that flesh is going to do what the flesh wants to do. They're going to give in. You know, it's like you're playing capture the flag and you send a member from your team. You know? But this person is dedicated to your team. You know, the flesh is dedicated to the flesh. So you send that guy to the other team, guess what? They're going to be a traitor to the other team, and if nothing else, they're going to be the very ones that lets the flesh back in the door. You try and use fleshly methods to deal with flesh, it never works. You cannot defeat the flesh by using the flesh. So here we're told that we defeat flesh by focusing on living by the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, now we begin to tap into the Spirit's power to overcome our flesh. You know, the Holy Spirit is not like 
the Daytona 500 pace car. You know, that car's out front, and your job then is to follow, you know, to see where it's going and to go at the same speed and, and follow the pace car. That's, that's not the picture. The picture is like a train. And there's a locomotive, and you're one of the cars. And you need to get hooked up to the locomotive, because if you get hooked up to the locomotive, you've got power in your life. It's not up for, to you to manufacture the power. The Bible already tells us that the flesh has no power to overcome the flesh. And so the Holy Spirit is, is critical. Anytime God identifies for you a sin in your life, something in your flesh, something that's you know, been overpowering and you just can't kick it, the first thing that you need to do, the first thing you need to understand is that you need to be living by the Spirit because unless you get a power outside yourself, you will fail every time. I mean, how many times have you said, you know, something in your life, you've made New Year's resolutions, you said, you know what, this year I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it. This year I'm going to do it. And what happens? You go a month or two and, and you're right back. And so we need this power and this dependency on something outside of ourselves. And God has given us the very Spirit of God. Did you hear that? He's given you the very Spirit of God himself to help you win these battles. And so, as Paul said, if God is for us, then, my goodness, who could be against us? If God is for you, who can stand against you? But, but you've got to realize God is for you. You've got to be living in that state of dependency upon God's Spirit. So that's the first thing that God's given us. He's given us the Spirit of God. We have to go into the battle with, with that understanding. Here's the second thing he's given us. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. Listen carefully to what it says. Now, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and take every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So, we look notice what we demolish. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So if you have something you're trying to defeat in your life or in your body, it starts in your mind. And what has happened is there have been pretensions and arguments that are contrary to the Word of God that are resting in your mind, that are sitting in your mind. And we have to deal with those. And so the second thing we have here is, is that God has given us something that the Holy Spirit will use, and that is the Word of God. <clears throat> so we have the Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit wants to take the Word of God, and He wants to attack the ways you're thinking in your mind. Every way that you're thinking that is contrary to the truth of what God has revealed, He wants to attack that. That's why the Bible says, you know, be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. 
And so, you know, how does that work? Well, let's say you're addicted to something. People get addicted to all kinds of things. You know what? You know, you can set up disciplines in your life and say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, and, and chances are it will fail. Because you're not really attacking the problem. Addictions are something that was fun at first, and now, and now we can't stop. And, and now what, what drives addiction, what drives all addiction is guilt. <clears throat> guilt drives addiction. The more we do it, the more guilty we feel, the more guilty we feel, the more guilt we have, and the more pain we have, the more pain we have, the more we need to do this thing to medicate ourselves. And so that's the vicious cycle of addictions. So Holy Spirit, you know, you can attack this in a lot of different ways, but the Holy Spirit comes along and takes the Word of God, and he wants to, he wants to attack things going to your brain. And so he might take a verse, and there are many, you know, there are many, there's so many verses that the Holy Spirit can take and use in your life, but he may take this one. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Say, but, but you know what? I've, I mean, I've done this for many. No. There is no condemnation for those in Christ. Yeah, but you don't realize the people, you don't realize the people I've hurt over, over the, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And every time the Holy Spirit takes that word and attacks this pretension that is set up in your mind that you cannot be forgiven, it's like taking, it's like taking a knife and stabbing that flesh every time. This is how battle takes place in the spiritual realm with these pretensions and arguments which argue with the word of God and saying, well, I know God says I don't need to have any condemnation no matter what I've done, but, but, I, but I, you know, and we, but I and we don't believe it. And so the Spirit of God comes with the Word of God and attacks those pretensions that we, we set up in our minds. And so, and so what, what the Lord wants to do is we have the... It's like a plug-in on your wall, okay? And there's three things that you need. You need the power, Okay? You need the power, and that's, you know, there's 220 full volts running to your outlet. When God gave you the Holy Spirit and you accepted Christ, you didn't get half of the Holy Spirit. You didn't get a third of them. You got the whole, the whole deal. 220 volts right to the plug-in. The plug-in is the Word of God. That's the plug-in. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, the plug-in is the Word of God. And so guess what, happens? guess what you need to do? You need to plug it in to the wall. If you don't plug in, and that's faith. That's faith. And so a person's caught in addiction, the Holy Spirit, and they're going to do warfare with that, the Holy Spirit is providing this power to the receptacle, he takes the word of God, he says, you know what? I know you've done this for 30 years. I know you've heard a lot of people, but guess what? There is no condemnation. There is no condemnation for you are in Christ. And when you, by faith, take God's word and believe it, that's when you plug into the wall. And when you plug into the wall, that's when Satan starts to tremble. That's when things start to fly. 
You take the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and believe it, and take it by faith. And that's when you'll see things happen in those strongholds in your life. The Holy Spirit, with the Word of God, taking it by faith. The gates of hell cannot prevail against that. You know, Jesus, when he came to his hometown, it was said he couldn't do much in his hometown because, you know, in his hometown there, they didn't believe, they didn't have faith. And so faith is, is so critical. The question is not, the question is not, the question is never, can I overcome this? Because the answer is always the same. Of course you can. The question by faith is, can God overcome this? The answer is always yes. Then the only other question to ask is, is this God's will? Because if God can overcome it and it is his will, then it will happen. And I can promise you, any sin that God brings to your mind that you need to overcome, it is his will that you overcome it. The Bible says, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. I'm going to give you a little rule this morning. I'm going to give you a little rule. And it's called a a five-second rule. And I'm going to to end with this one. And uh, we'll we'll pick up next week uh, with the final. We're only going to get through two this morning. But let let me give you a little practical thing in this area of the mind and thinking and what goes on. How many of you have heard of the five-second rule? How many moms have heard of the five-second rule? Okay? That's why it is. So, your kid drops something on the floor, right? The rule is, if you pick it up within five seconds, you can pop it back in their mouth. So why is that? Because the longer it sits there, the more contaminated it gets, right? You leave it there for an hour, the dogs come by and licked it, you know, everything's, ants have crawled over it, flies have landed on it. So the longer it sits there, the more corrupted it gets. Okay, here's a little rule. Whenever a thought or something that you're doing with your eyes or looking at, whenever something comes that you know is contrary to the Spirit of God. So how do you know if a thought's contrary to the Spirit of God? Paul gives us an example. He says, whatever is good and lovely and right and pure and true and good, think about these things. That's in his response to being struggling with anxiousness, okay? Any other kind of negative thinking, any other kind of negative thoughts, any kind of impure thoughts, any kind of impure things you do with your eyes, you have the five-second rule. When it hits you, you have five seconds to cut it off. Pick it up. Get it out of there. If your mind goes somewhere, you have five seconds. As soon as you think it, say, oh, the five-second rule. Because if you let a thought linger, or you let a glance turn into a stare, or whatever it is that you're doing, if it, the longer, if you get beyond five seconds, the harder it gets to get out of it. And so, you just try that this week. Try, try the, the five-second rule and invite the Spirit of God to take the Word of God 
and to think on these things and see what happens with your flesh and see the power that there is in the Spirit of God using the Word of God in your life. You got something in your life that God reveals to you? Ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, show me the, the thing from the Word of God and then search the Word of God and show me this thing from the Word of God that's going to nail this sin right in the head. Give me that one thing wherever it comes and tries to, to speak to me that you're going to give me those words and I'm going to fight this battle with the Spirit of God and the Word of God and just see what happens. Well, next week we will look at a third and final weapon that God has, has given to us. And uh, if you're filling in your pharma, I'll just give it to you and then we'll, we'll pick it up. The third thing God's given us beyond the Spirit of God and the Word of God is the people of God. And you were never meant, you were never meant to live out your Christian life and conquer evil alone. Father, this morning, <clears throat> thank you for the desire that you have to see your people live in victory. And Lord, you've given us weapons that are different from the world's weapons. Father, you've given us a power that's beyond ourselves because you knew that the flesh, our flesh, did not have the ability to conquer these things on our own. And so, Lord, might we, uh, might we just look to your spirit to conquer these things in our lives that you reveal to us. May we take your word and realize the power of it. And then may we challenge our thinking and not allow these thoughts to sit there and linger and to mull them over. Father, when they come in, might we take them captive immediately to Christ. May we remember the, the five-second rule that when something comes, it's not of you, that we need to just reject it immediately. Lord, as we do that, we'll, we will experience uh, a victory and a weakening of these things in our lives. Father, this morning as I conclude, Lord, the, the foundation of fighting this battle is the Spirit of God in us, giving us the power over sin. So I would pray for anyone here today who <clears throat> does not have the Spirit of Christ in them, Lord, who has, <clears throat> Father, never opened their lives up and, and received that gift. And uh, I'm going to pray this morning as we conclude. And if, if you're here and, and God has spoken to you, maybe you believe about God and, and maybe you believe that Jesus is here. You know, the scripture says that even the, even the demons believe in God and know exactly who Christ is. But I want to invite you just to pray this prayer in your own words. First of all, just to acknowledge your sinfulness before God, that, that you have a sinful nature that has manifested itself in many different ways. Express your belief in what the scripture teaches, that Jesus Christ came, that he went to a cross, that he died on that cross so there would be no condemnation for those who are in Christ, that he will forgive every sin. 
And if God has enabled you today to surrender your life and to invite the Holy Spirit to come in and transform you, I just invite you to pray that prayer right now, to invite the Spirit of God to come and to do a work that you could never do yourself in your life. Invite him to come and begin a work of transformation in your life. Father, we thank you for the gospel that gives us the power to find victory over sin. Lord, continue to teach us as we, Lord, seek to allow you to do the work that you want to do in each one of us. And so we just pray this, Lord. We pray now that you would, uh, just as we share this offering today, Lord, just continue to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.